0: My name is Hemishul and I'm the founder of RX Group and the host of Let's Talk Quality. Let's Talk Quality is a podcast aimed at quality assurance professionals in pharma and biotech. Join us to learn from some of the best QA leaders around the world and hear how they've developed their careers as they provide some practical insights into how they've got to the top of their field. Our mission is to shine a light on what good quality assurance really means for pharma and biotech. What impact does it really have on the patient? we want to explore some of the biggest challenges facing the sector and inspire the next generation of quality assurance leaders to continue to help bring safer and better quality therapies to patients. Welcome to season one. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: John, John, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. How are you doing, sir?
0: Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks. I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this chat. Um, so am I,
1: I'm very excited. It's a long time
0: t- it. has been a long time coming. We um Yes it has. We um we spoke about what we'd like to discuss, didn't we? And um yes, there we were can. so many topics that we, we we discussed. So we might have to do a bit of a trilogy.
1: Let's do the trilogy. I'm, I'm all for the this, trilogy. This can be oh. part
0: one. Um, yes, we we settled on um, a discussion around creating effective quality leadership. So um, yes. we'll, we'll get into that. What's, um, I suppose before we get into that, do you want to give the listeners a um, high-level overview of
1: who you are and your background? Yes, absolutely. So John John McKay, I have uh, 38 years of experience in, in various industries, uh, regulated industries, including uh, pharmaceutical, medical advice. Diagnostics, uh, chem- chemicals, energy, aerospace, and automotive. And one thing I found is that all all of those uh, industries have good and best practices to share. My my formal training is in chemical engineering, um, and from Penn State University. And then I also completed um, the M- MBA program at. Um, at Wharton Business School, and then a master's in Regulatory Affairs and Quality Assurance at Temple Graduate School of Pharmacy, and then and then uh, our pro- project management uh, professional training at the the Katz Business School at U- University of Pittsburgh. And so, um, you know, lifelong life learner. I'm currently currently have several certifications and working on two others. Um, but basically, through, throughout my career, I started in manufacturing. Um, and then, then uh, from manufacturing went into quality and <laughs> safety, and then, then of course, various supply chain management initiatives, and 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 then launched into operational excellence globally, um, and and then, then from there, uh, all, all the GXP's um, that that there are, all, all the eight, eight GXP's, and, and so my, my, my lifelong quest and, and continued quest is is excellence, and uh, and and basically going going where the need takes me. Um, and, and so, but with, with the hybrid approach and sharing, sharing, getting best practices, that that's sort of my specialty. Um, and that that's where I found the most impact. And then also I would say, uh, focusing on, um, on different, um, phases, all the phases, one, one to three. And so my, my three big buckets are, uh, product development, um, product approval and product commercialization. And then, and those three buckets is where I focus a lot, a lot of my attention, Um, I have just as much commercial manufacturing experience as I do with product development but um, what's interesting I was talking to a colleague the other day is that a a lot of companies try to get what I call a sustained orbit where they have products approved and they really have a a healthy portfolio of commercial products versus uh, products in, in the different phases. And, and the key is, is, is to get, get to that orbit. I've, I work for some world-class companies, um, small, medium, large, and two companies I'll give a shout out to a uh, bear and Stryker uh, simply because of uh, a very large pharmaceutical company and then uh, a leading medical device company. And then I also work in in, in four different countries with expat assignments um uk germany uh, brazil and china most recently for um high sun. and uh, and i've done projects in th- 32 countries so that gives a little bit of background
0: excellent and um and before, so we'll get into all of this so and you're in san diego john beautiful sunny yeah. san
1: diego yes the 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 great place southwest corner of the United States. So I've lived in almost all the corners. I've lived in worked <laughs> lived in Seattle. Work now working in San Diego. I, I grew up in Maryland. I spent some time in Pennsylvania and then has has been as far south as Tennessee. So I've been I've in the United States I've lived in almost every time zone except Mountain. I I, I travel to Mountain because I like doing off-road riding. But um yeah. but yes. Yeah, so so in, in sunny San Diego, I'll just say this a shout out to my partners on the East Coast. It's a lot easier working on the East Coast than West Coast. I'll just say that. So. Well, it's a lot
0: easier working on the East it's Coast, easy. did you
1: say? Working on the East Coast and West Coast, yeah. Just, just as far as a global, having global connection is easier on the East Coast. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. But on the matter, I make doing it. On, on yeah, the same yeah. Way. Just yeah, well, make adjustments. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean,
0: I I am... Um... As you know, I'm in in London, but it's yeah, yeah, uh. Right. I, I I started the business with the intention of just doing the East Coast because so the yeah. the time difference would only be five hours. But I've been yeah. dragged west um, over the course of the year. So. Yeah, there's a lot
1: of good things west. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's great. Yeah. A lot of things on on the West Coast that are great. So ha- happy to be here in San Diego. But I know that having lived growing up on the East Coast, done the, all my formal training on the East Coast. Lived, lived in in Central Time in Tennessee now and saying yo things are just easier on the East Coast and Central Child just because you're more you're in a sweet spot of global overlap of times that that's why it is and that, I mean at three hours can make a big difference yeah. when you when you're connecting with people in China India I, I would see, uh, you know Europe um, Australia we, so I have clients all over the world and you know I'm, I'm, I make do I make adjustments but um, I was just thinking man if I was on the East Coast scheduling a meeting for example with four different time zones is yeah, easier yeah. if one of those people is in the east coast so yeah. it's, it's all good but go. things th- rock on the west coast beautiful sunny weather um Calif- uh, california is great san diego is great so yeah well it's it's a lot nicer than london right now uh, well london's nice too i, I actually um ha- had a expat maidenhead yep so yeah so i mean uk all nothing but love for the uk so <sighs>
0: <laughs> so, so John, then let's get into it. What does it take in your eyes? What does it take to be a a great quality assurance leader?
1: Yeah, I've I spent a lot of time trying to perfect that and work on that. And I think it takes four key essential requirements. One is is technical knowledge and all the twenty one quality tools and the quality systems and and the concept of totally quality management. Just just being an expert in your craft. Continually training, continuing to get better, and staying current, like the CGMP, staying current in all the all the GXP's you choose to work in. So tech, technical knowledge, I think, uh, at some some point, you need to have developed coaching skills, um, so that you can co- coach your staff, coach coach your, your peers, and coach the company to to have a good good quality culture and to be seen as a coach, um, um, you know that that you, that people can go to a, a reference. A resource, what have you. Other things, you have to be an excellent facilitator. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, some some departments. I work in manufacturing. A lot easier there. Some departments, you know, have a easier way because they don't have to influence as much. They basically just run what their show. They they get influence, but they run a show. In quality, You you truly are the hub of the entire organization. And a lot of people realize that, but you're not just the hub for manufacturing, all the GXPs, you're the hub for business, you're the hub for everything in, in regulated industries. And so you, you have to embrace that one and two, you have to learn how to facilitate influence and 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 have partnerships. And then then the la- last thing I'll say is to be a global expert. Um and and that that takes time, but you know. Looking beyond just your company, looking beyond just your industry and looking beyond just regulations, where's excellence? How do you go from good to great? If, if, if the company's not good yet, how do you go from startup to to, you know, approved product to good to great? But how do you always seek excellence? Um, you know, we, we were talking earlier, you know, it's my favorite time of year because football season. I have a lot of football and sports examples to bring to this. But, you know, every every team starts out wanting to win the Super Bowl and every company should start out wanting to get products approved. To be have commercial products and have patient safety as their driver and so the idea of excellence excellent well let's let's
0: go into each of those four pillars i like the way that you have broken that down um for us so i suppose the first one you mentioned was technical technical know-how technical knowledge yes. i suppose that goes hand in hand with up to staying up to date with regulations i suppose um, well,
1: it does. But see, in, in, in some industries, there's just a focus on regulations. And quality is, is certainly, certainly most important. You have to be in compliance. But true quality is total quality management and, and going well beyond just in compliance. How do you help you your company achieve competitive excellence? You know, I had a chance to be trained directly by, by Dr. W. I was Deming when he was still alive. And, and actually, my company used him as a consultant. Um, for, for quite some time. And I was trained as a, to be um, a, a, a Six Sigma black belt. And what happens is you 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 have to be in compliance. But for leading companies, compliance is like the minimum requirement. Yeah, we have to be in compliance. We have to pass and speculate to get products approved. How do you go from compliance to competitive advantages with quality? whether you you're doing product development product approval product commercialization how do you go from prevention of recalls how do you go from uh, prevention of, of customer complaints how how do you manage the pharmacovigilance part of it so all the things that happen when you have an approved product then you're doing it now in the United States but also you know the EU you know Japan Brazil Australia you know um basically all the G7 and yeah. beyond markets in the world how do you how do you basically um achieve success and achieve revenue and prevent things that we're seeing today, places closing down, people laying off um things like that you know so so you know you have to stay current and is that is the, obviously there's a lot of different
0: factors macroeconomics that have contributed to the current landscape this year that we've seen in biotech but are there any particular factors there? Um, that you mentioned that you think quality leaders should be really focusing on to drive you know yes. uh, uh, there's a lot of metrics that you can that you can measure in quality but what are the key things that you, people should be should be um, um, uh, monitoring
1: it all starts with management management, commitment and le- the leadership of the company. And you know, not these days, not many people have even heard of Deming, let alone the fourteen points of Deming, let alone the 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 earth earth shattering book Out of the Crisis, which I have a signed copy. Blessed for the, do, doing that. The whole idea is management planning. Not not worrying about each quarter, yeah. but planning for medium and long term success, positioning the company to grow the business. To make sure it's in compliance, to to prevent any complaints, to prevent prevent uh, any recalls, and then then managing the ship, so although it's facing storms, if you're on deck, if you're in the ship, the ship is steady. It's, ha- it's being able to handle those storms and prevent uh, um, some of some of the things you have happening in the industry right now, and and it's, so it all goes back to management because most people. Have a limited sphere of influence. Management runs the company, so it comes down to management commitment and leadership. And and I challenge all managers, leaders out there, and all C-suite executives, learn Deming's fourteen points and embrace them and run with them. And companies will be a lot more successful. Just ask the Japanese. Okay. Well, why 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 ask the Japanese? Well, are you familiar with how Doctor Edwin's Deming? No. went to Japan at the end of World War II when it was just bombed with two um, atomic bombs and helped them okay. rise to right. excellence to they are today with okay. products. I mean, you, if you think of automotive cars, who has the top cars? You think of products, who has the top products? You think of the pharmaceutical industry, who are some of the top pharmaceutical companies? Well, how does how a how is a company that has a country that is um, smaller geographically than almost mm. any state in mm. the United States rise to at some point being the second largest economy in the world only to be overtaken by volume in China so yeah I mean it and and so the the top prize in quality in China is called the Deming prize right interesting so you mentioned um
0: coaching as your second pillar coaching skills the ability to be a good coach how have you gone about being a good a good coach and and what does that look like in in your career So that
1: that started training a long long time ago first of all my dad was in the military he taught me military excellence as far as coaching he was in the army um and and uh and, and very high up in the army and then from from playing sports playing baseball, football, running track, learning from great coaches, seeing how they coach, eventually becoming a player coach if you will, um so a captain of these sports teams and and, and being a signal caller and helping the coach strategize was very fun. Then then playing uh college sports a little bit, but then as the, as I became a professional chemical engineer and a professional in manufacturing, the idea that um you have to coach in, a, in a, eventually like a plant manager, you have to coach the entire Facility, whether it's um, people management, whether it's the operators, everyone in between, you have to be able to um, approach these people and coach them. And, and, and coaching, to me, involves three things. One involves knowledge, as we talked about. It involves the the idea of wanting to mentor people and help them, and the idea of nurturing people to be their best. You know, that if you look at sports teams today, the best sports teams play as a strong team. You know, you you can have superstars that can't play together and they'll be defeated by average players that play out of their heads because they're working together as a team. And I'm a firm believer and have learned this throughout my life in all aspects of my life. Team together, everyone definitely achieves more. And and so the idea of, of working as a team, breaking down barriers and realizing that, you know, we're not competing with each other in this little company big company if you may be we're competing against other companies not only in the United states but around the world and so the idea of pulling together and everyone everyone asking themselves honestly are you helping the ship move forward or are you oars blocking other people and slowing us down and and why is that and let's work through those barriers and let's collaborate and then and then i would say let everyone who has departments Let's figure out what the processes are. Let's figure out what their needs are, make sure their needs are met, and then make sure they're helping other departments meet their needs. And so you have like the interconnectedness of departments uh, to, to run the, I'm, I'm going to use the ship example, run the ship. There's a good book I just read called um, Surf When You Can. And, you know, and and I was accepted at the uh, U.S. Naval Academy, never went there, but I've always been a ship lover and boat lover and the idea of captain. And so be, being the captain of the ship, um, you know, and making sure that everyone that ship is taken care of, and that you have an efficiently run ship. Yeah, collaboration is is something that
0: a lot of quality leaders, you know, stress is one of the most important aspects of of leadership.
1: Um, if if I were to say, Hemish is probably the most important mm. because. You you don't have to be like the top person to be a great collaborator. You can be the the most junior person in the whole department, but if you are a great collaborator, you have significant leadership power, significant credibility, significant value, and and are, are someone that um has what I'll call strong influence power. Yeah, hmm. I so have to be a collaborator. And and you and you have to bring people on who aren't yeah. collaborating. you know, the, the, the hardest part is is in today's companies, people are afraid of I would say, um, having the one-on-ones with troublemakers or the one-on-ones with people mm. that are causing problems. And 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 you know, the, the quickest way to have good people leave is not take care of the people that are causing problems and, mm. and and letting that become normal, acceptable, and not managed. And so a good collaborator is gonna help address those things, help help the person along who's causing those problems and basically Challenge them to say, "Look, you're you're with us, or you you may not be. But here are behaviors that are helping. Here are behaviors that are not. And we hope you do more behaviors that are helping us." And do you think you can? How do you coach or teach someone to be collaborative? If you've
0: got a if a, if you've got a, a quality manager or a director who may not naturally be the most collaborative person in the world, they they might be, you know they could be a good team player, but they might not necessarily be. Um, as, as good a collaborator with other functions, and that might pre- be preventing the progress of their career, how would you coach them? Is it coachable? Or- oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, Everything's coachable. So it, it comes down to two parts, actually. You have to help create a collaborative environment that supports them, and then you have to hone their skills of facilitation, collaboration, and leadership. And and so what happens is let's start with the first one. You know, it, it, everything starts from the top. Management commitment, but also the idea of having a strong quality culture and working on that quality culture and working on the culture in general. Uh, that have a an environment that people can speak up when they have an issue or problem. People can can. We can approach problem solving in a win win situation. Let's put on the left side of the paper everything we're in agreement. Let's put on the right side things we're disagreeing with. How do we get consensus on the things we're disagreeing with? And then how do we all move forward out of this meeting together, team, together, working together on that? Not everyone's, um, you know, consensus is consensus. So, and not everyone's going to always get what they want, but we want to get what's best for the company and, and best for the department. So, the idea of a, a collaborative environment. You have to have that first or else the best collaborators just won't stay. I mean, they, why? Because they'll be in demand and they can go somewhere else and they can go somewhere where instead of like, you know, working on inefficiency every day, they can go somewhere where they can thrive. They can do what I call fly like an eagle. That's one of my favorite hype songs. You know, fly like an eagle where it's they have a collaborative environment and then what they can do, they can become the best collaborators in that collaborative environment. And, and so train, training on facilitation, training on collabor- collaboration, training on problem solving, um, training on uh, the, I'll call the 21 quality tools, which I learned as a, a Six Sigma Master Black Belt, you know, training in those, not necessarily all of them, but certainly the, the large share of them. And the whole idea of helping, you know, companies hire people because they have problems, helping okay. find the problems fix the problems, prevent the problems, and then go to the next one. So eventually you don't have problems anymore, you're really working on maintenance and excellence. So that whole idea of collaboration. The fourth pillar that you mentioned was
0: global know-how. That's obviously uh, you know quite a broad phrase. How, how would you define global know-how and, and what does someone need to... As a, as a quality leader, what does someone need to do to have global
1: know-how? How do you break that down? Yeah, that's some questions. So that, that comes down into what Deming called knowledge management. Dr. Deming is a strong proponent of knowledge management. So it's training, that's certification, that is education, um, and that's experience. So getting experience on projects. But you have to have training. You have to have education. I, I'm a strong believer in certification. I have a number of those because that journey of becoming certified, and you've mastered a body of knowledge. And then you you become a master and proficient in that in body of knowledge. So, so the idea of training, and that could be self-training. Most of the time, it's a course. Most of the time, it's it's webinars. So the idea of staying, staying up on craft. And then also plotting a course. You know, having, you know, we all have not we all, but many of us have training that we have required. You're going to go beyond that. That's like that's like foundational. You want to look at what train what is your personal professional development training plan? Whether you're coming to ask for that or not, you should be working on that and working that. And having that in your goals, having any objectives, and having that plan. So, a three year plan or a rolling three year plan where you say, what do I wanna, how do I wanna grow professionally in the next three years? What do I wanna do this year, the next year, and the, and the third year? And that's, that plan is based on risk. It's also based on um, risk management. It's also based on the idea of how long does it take to complete some of these things and how do my personal goals merge with the company goals so that I can get this done and get this approved and what have you. And so, um, so having personal development plan that goes beyond just your S and P's, but right. you know, what certifications do you want to have? If you're in one GXP, if you're in GCP, do you want to learn GMP right. and sources. Right. So, so I, I'm, I'm like, I've always been a thirsty, Knowledge person, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I operate with knowledge like I'm in a desert and I'm seeking water. I'm always looking to learn from somebody. I'm always looking for learning to others. I'm always looking at trends. Where trends going, and, and and where does a person need to be? So I use a sports analogy. You know, Wayne Gretzky skated to where the puck is going to be, not where it is. You know, in defense and in offense, you have to go where the ball is going to be, not where it is today. So the idea of planning, uh, what what areas are going to be needed. And so that's why I worked in all the GXPs, mastered them. That's why I went in, in all the functional areas. Um, you know, I was mentored very, very early in my career. So from a, a plant manager point of view, I learned all the functional uh, departments that report to a plant manager. From a CEO point of view, I learned most of the departments that report to a CEO. Because Why? Because I wanted to. Two, I saw myself as more valuable what whether the department I worked in. And three, there was a certain need as your products developed, try to get products approved and get products commercialized. You have a need. And then then there was a willingness. I had a willingness, and everyone has this willingness or ability to work in four countries, do projects in 32. So the idea of traveling, you know, very, very early on, you know, um, I recognized um through my dad in the military and just just kind of like just looking at trends. The world has been global for many years, and and I embraced that idea of globalness and realized that you know I work for some of the largest and best companies in the world. When I worked for Bear, we had a saying: "The sun never sets on Bear," and that's true. Everywhere in the world, there's a facility in almost every time zone where, where there's somebody open, somebody working with with the Bear 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 banner flying over their facility, and so the idea of embracing that we're in a global society with global competition and global knowledge you know there's knowledge everywhere so the idea of learning being thirsty and and seeking out learning and the idea of embracing knowledge so sharing your knowledge but also learning from others
0: that's great where 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 would you say the quality assurance industry in biotech pharma and biotech specifically where, where is that i know it's a broad question but like where are we as a as an industry right now and um, you know, is it, is it moving in the right direction in your eyes? Yeah,
1: it's, it's definitely moving in the right direction. I mean, we're definitely focusing on patient safety. The, the best companies, the leading companies and the companies that are doing well have, have good quality cultures. And they, and they realize that in order to to uh, prevent warning letters or prevent, you know, um, the, the bad things that come with with out of compliance and get more of the good things. And in particular, having patient safety, you have to start with management commitment. You have to start with a, a strong quality culture. Let everyone know that everyone, although the quality assurance department is the main steward, subject matter expert, and overseer of quality, just just like the finance department, is everyone responsible for good financial management? Company, of course. Well, everyone's responsible for good quality management. It's just that you have an expert department to go to for resources, for knowledge, for guidance. And and the whole idea of quality assurance is not just you know what the quality department is assuring; it is what the company is assuring. So so the leading companies recognize that. If you, you look on the job boards now, there are tons of opportunities out there. For, for quality assurance, um, and I would also say regulatory affairs, um, whether it's consulting, whether it's it's contract work, whether it's positions open, I mean, it's it's in general a shortage of positions. COVID has helped that in that now people just don't have to relocate it anymore. Yeah. You know, our situations remote. People have learned that. Well, you know, I learned a long time at Bear with global reports. They all can't be down the hall from me. Obviously, you yeah. have to be in their facilities. You know, twenty one facilities around the world. At a minimum, and so the idea that you don't need people right up under you to be a good leader, and for them to be a good worker, they can work from home efficiently. Mm-hmm. They yeah. can work in. They can work in house situations. A lot of companies are moving to what's called executive week, which which I have experienced um, most recently with with various clients I have, where, where once a week they bring their executives in on site. And it huh. could be the C-suite executives, it could be, you know, the sing- senior, senior vice presidents, whatever. But anyway, the top leadership, they're there once, because they're dispersed maybe all over the world, they come to the site, the headquarters once a week to collaborate face-to-face, be available to people that are there, and what have you. If they have facilities that they are always around the world, they go visit them once a quarter um, and, and see that. And now, just like we're doing on video, you're in London, I'm in San Diego. Mm. You know, you have to use video meetings. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the first one to pick up the phone, but sometimes you want to see people's facial expressions, see if you're getting through to them. People say that 75% in communication is not verbal. So the idea of video meetings is, is you know, some people have, have grown to not like them, but... If you have effective video meetings, that's like one of the most important tools um, that was available. I remember when I worked for Bear many years ago. You know, way way before like t- this type of technology, we had a, we had a um, an audio visual center in every facility. So with every facility in the world, we we could we could communicate with anyone. And and I learned that very early on. You know, back in eighties, how effective that was. Yeah. That's brilliant. Uh,
0: we've there's so much more that I wanna we want to discuss, and I think we're going to have to have that that trilogy, maybe even more. We have to have a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to some of the a couple of quick fire questions to to round sure. things up wolf John, but this okay. has been a great discussion. Um, I suppose the first question: What advice would you give to the the next generation of quality leaders?
1: I would say develop your personal quality plan. One, help you company your quality planning, um, and then have your own personal quality plan for We you want to go over the next three years. I, I like the three to five year plan. Um, you know, what, what do you want to do for training? What do you want to do for accomplishments? What what do you want to do for product development, product approval, product um, commercialization? You know, so having having plan, you know, um, don't just look, you know, when, when you're driving a vehicle, you know, I used to race motocross professionally, you know, you can't, look in a rear view mirror all the time to drive a vehicle. You have to look out the windshield. You have to look at the side mirrors. You know, so the whole idea of, yes, we have to track metrics. We have to track reactive metrics and respond to them. That's 50% maximum of what we should be doing. We have to look forward out of the windshield, plan, and say, what are opportunities coming up? What are some problems we can prevent? Yeah, we have kappas, but what is the preventive action? What are some problems we can prevent happening so we're not always putting out fires. We're not always reacting. So the whole idea of gaining competitive advantage through planning—that that's one of the biggest areas. And then and then staying staying up with your training. I mean, yeah. and, and I, I mean beyond just SOPs and, and forms and procedures, training around your craft, training around what, what you know the, the quality tools, Q, Q, the QAGXPs, training training in other areas. Um. So whatever whatever you're working on, one should always if if a person's in charge of something. I want you to ask themselves a serious question if I were auditing myself what would I what finding would I give for training knowledge management and competence for the job that I'm in charge of what what would I pull from to say here's how I've been trained here's my training certificate here's what I did what would I what would I pull from and say here's how I've gone from like a basic knowledge person to you know, very good knowledge, almost to an expert in that area that I'm in charge of. And, and if you do your own self audit and you can't point to something, then that's that's a perfect example of there is a training course you need to take, or or whether that's a webinar, whether it's a formal course, whether it's whatever you, or or there's some certification you need to go after. So the whole idea of of knowledge and and I, that's probably the biggest differentiator. There are a lot of people doing jobs out there that that really haven't been trained. Hmm. And, and and okay yeah they, they know their company SOPs but I mean if you just quiz them on okay let's talk about 20, 21 quality tools can you can a person even name the top 21 quality tools if they can't do that then you know nothing against them but you need to go back to school if you will you need to train and learn those things
0: so my fi- final question um, would be what motivates you what inspires you and um, and what gets you up in the morning?
1: Patient safety. Um, w- one thing I love working, and I've worked in a lot of different industries with a lot of different products. I, I love cars. I love automotive. Love planes. I love working out in space. But one thing that drives you about being a pharmaceutical medical device diagnosis, combination product is that there's so much medical need out there that's either being met by by life saving therapies that's being um, being open with with um, with unmet need and so what drives me is every day i know that all the things i'm doing today the next day whatever eventually either right now or eventually is going to help someone live better maybe save a life maybe get out of pain maybe um, um treat treat and cure disease and 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 improve society in general so that fires me up because there are a lot of things i can be working on and having fun what i'm having fun with is actually improving people's lives
0: amazing that's that's a great way to to finish the conversation john um and like i said we'll 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 have to definitely have another conversation at, at okay. some point in the future Anytime. because um, there's, there's more that i want to pick your brains on that and i'm sure that you could um provide a lot lot uh, a lot more value to to people um but i think that's been a really good episode and i think a lot of people will take some some really good practical advice out of that um so i appreciate your time john thanks for coming thank on thank you What's, uh, what what do you like doing outside of outside of um uh, quality assurance leadership.
1: Yes. Um, well, this is my favorite time of the year is to be talking because it's football season. You know, yeah. I played um, football all my life up to college, and um, and and I I I'm commissioner of three fantasy football leagues, so do fantasy football track um track sports and and also stud- just like I study quality, I study football. I mean, I look at plays both defensively, offensively, think about strategy, and it's just it's just a fun time of the year because every week. When there's a college football game or 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 NFL game, I'm reminded of teamwork. I'm reminded of of excellence in your craft, meaning skill positions. Every position has a role. I'm reminded of running plays. I'm around. I'm reminded of the idea that um, just as you approach things in in quality or to see manufacturing or, or our industries, you know you have to have a playbook. You have to know those plays, and you have to have practice and be able to run those plays. And so, it, there's a lot of sports analogies. But this is my favorite time of the year. I'm, I'm like, I'm like glowing with enthusiasm because I get to do quality and I get to enjoy football. So, well, the best the best leaders, I think, use analogies.
0: So, um, I like the way that you've, you've uh, weave the two together there. Um, yes. Thank you. Very good. And what's the best way to for people to get hold of you if, if someone wanted to pick your brains or get in um, well, touch? they
1: can contact you. They can touch me, but I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, they can reach me, um, email. Um, you know, th- this, this shows you constant reliability. Since 1985, I had the same email address because that's the only metadata that has never changed for me. In four countries, 32 countries working, and as Jay McKay, dot <laughs> There you go. So well, just, just, just just like in uh, a fine wine or vintage car, <laughs> you can reach me at that same email address my entire life, basically.
0: Excellent. Well, well, yeah. there you go. Well,
1: thank you very much for coming on the show, John. It's been a pleasure, miss. Yeah. Thanks for all you're doing. Congratulations on your business and podcast. You're really making a difference in our industry, and it was a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Appreciate it. Great to talk to you, John, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. All right, take care. Cheers, John. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's show. I hope that you got value from it, whether you're starting your career in quality or if you're at the top of your field. Today's episode was brought to you by RX Group. I'm the founder of RX Group. We are a pharma and biotech recruitment organization focusing purely on quality assurance. We recruit consultants and senior level permanent quality professionals into the pharma and biotech industry. If we can support you, whether that be in a hiring capacity or if you yourself are looking for work, Please get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Visit our LinkedIn page where you can subscribe to the podcast and visit our website www.rx-group.io to find out more about us.
1: See you soon.